Okay, I have been excited about this episode for a long time, and you get to hear it today. I'm not sure if you are already following Tracy O'Malley, but you probably will as soon as you hear this episode. So Tracy O'Malley is a multi-million dollar entrepreneur. She's a speaker and an author. She's also a world-renowned master performance and business coach and a top expert in the Enneagram. Tracy has used the Enneagram for over seven years to help accelerate transformation and build powerful, effective, and compassionate leaders and create sustainable and lasting change in students and clients all over the world. Tracy is respected for her soul surgery method that demolishes negative patterns in people's lives and helps them get unstuck. Her process is one of the most effective leadership tools that is impacting generations today. I cannot wait for you to learn from her and make sure you listen all the way to the end as she unpacks and digs into the Enneagram, what it means, and how it can help you live your best life. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Okay, Tracy, we are finally sitting down together and I am so excited, but I'm also really honored. So I want to say with you outside of the introduction how much I appreciate this because I I really, I admire you. You're a mentor of mine. You're now becoming a friend, which I love, but you really are a mentor because of the life you've led, because of the way you are, the work that you're doing. What I see in you is that you are so approachable and so real. And that is not common enough in this world, especially in the world of what I would say influencers, because you know you are an influencer. And um, I, I appreciate that so much. And so that's going to make this conversation even better. So I know we could talk about so many mm-hmm. things because you heard in the intro, guys, how how successful Tracy's been. What you what you didn't get to hear is the background story and the great stories underneath that. So I'm just going to choose one thing to focus on today because you heard me say that Tracy is an expert in what's called the Enneagram. And the reason I want to highlight that is because this is something that was introduced to me by Tracy. Well, through her, one of her trainings, and I had heard of it like a lot of you. I I thought, okay, that's something I should probably look at. It looks cute. It looks interesting. Maybe it's a personality profile. And then I actually had Tracy, I'll say profile me. I don't know what word she would use. And it was life-changing, life-changing because it caused me to look at myself in a completely different way. And this is someone who's been looking at herself for 13 years and digging so deep, I didn't think there was anything left. And then she she 
profiled me with the Enneagram and I was like, oh my gosh, what it allowed me to do was give myself grace and say, oh, I had focused on all my flaws for so long and all my blind spots, but she helped me find my gifts and why I am the way I am in such a great way. So before we talk Enneagram, Tracy, tell them a little bit about how you got to that. You have such an interesting story and then we'll dig in. Well, thank you. I agree. I have loved how our friendship, relationship, mutual love for each other has evolved. Um, and I feel equally the same. I learned from you too, because we are different. We are we we have an intensity that's similar and we're the same age and things like that, but we are different enough where I'm always constantly learning and I'm in awe of you, quite honestly. Your willingness to tell the truth, even when it's polarizing and ruffles some feathers. I really admire that. Well, thank you so much. As an eight on the Enneagram, we'll get into all that, what that means. But I admire that about people and especially you. So thank you for having me. Ironically, had you met me 10 years ago, what you just said about me, you would have felt completely the opposite of. I was an asshole. I was very intense. And that intensity, which is my gift today, back then was coming from a place of fear, insecurity, judgment, and unworthiness, right? That's how I believed about myself. And the beauty of the Enneagram is our biggest thorn. I think I've told you this. Our biggest thorn is also our greatest gift. So that intensity that was the biggest thorn in my side and everybody that I touched as well is now and has always been my greatest gift because it's coming from love, compassion, understanding, and grace. So we'll get into what that means later. But how I was introduced to the Enneagram wasn't by choice. It was close to a decade ago. My life had kind of taken a turn. I've always been a get-or-done kind of girl, put a goal in front of me and I will crush it because that was self-preservation for me. I was raised in an environment back in Chicago, which was... I loved it. I'm 100% Irish, very intense. I'm an Aries. I was supposed to be a boy. And when I wasn't, my dad told the doctor to keep me because I wasn't a boy. And although he was joking, my four-year-old self heard that and, and made the determination and belief that I needed to be as close to perfect as possible and very strong like a boy would be in order to be worthy of love, acceptance, approval, and attention. And for 40 years, that is how I operated my life, very masculine energy. I was excelling in business. I played all sports, but I also looked the part of a girl because that's what boys like. That's what That was the messaging that was kind of driven into me as a kid. And I wore that and wore that badge hard and well for four decades until 10 years ago when life is too short comes up and whacks you upside the forehead. And in the summer of 2012, I got a call from my father who I love very much, but was a very high-functioning alcoholic, untreated, all the things that come with that. My mom was an emotionally incapable mom a beautiful human being, but just emotionally incapable of being what I needed her to be my whole life and to this day. And that summer, my dad called me and said I had just that he had just been diagnosed with cancer and they didn't give him long to live. And 12 days later, he died. And there was so much like that that brought up that I knew that I have a lot of life to live. And my kids were teenagers at the time. And I was starting to see them repeat some of the patterns that weren't so healthy of mine, the avoidance of feeling, the substances they use to not feel, the escapism, anger, all the things. And I knew then, like, if I don't repair this, I'm going to repeat it because I was repeating the very things I didn't want to be. 
And losing my dad really put things in perspective of how little time we have here. And so I made the decision that I needed to kind of take my life and my belief system to ground zero. And that was a very humbling, ballsy move for this Enneagram 8 proud Irish Aries girl. But I didn't care because the legacy I wanted to leave behind was more important than what people thought of me. And so I took myself to ground zero and checked myself into rehab for alcohol, food, eating disorders, anger, codependency, power tripping, you name a coping mechanism, I've used it and not for the greatest good, but for self-preservation. And it was in rehab on day two that I met my therapist who I still see to this day, nine years later. And she said, I want you to take this thing called the Enneagram test. And I, of course, was resistant. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. And um, I don't need another label. Clearly, I'm walking into this joint with plenty of labels. I don't really need another one. They aren't helping me. And with so much love, and she's also an Enneagram 8, and she's a tough woman from Texas. And she said, my dear, quite honestly, your best thinking has gotten you here. Maybe we, we want to try something different. You want something different. It's going to require something different from you. And this actually will help you get out of the box that the world and yourself have put you in. So how about we give it a shot? And I'm like, well, touche. I can't argue with her points there. And it was in that moment that I was introduced to the Enneagram. And it was a very humbling experience, like what you just said. It allowed me to look at myself and all... I mean, clearly, if I'm in rehab, my decision-making wasn't so great. And some of the decisions that I've made in my life caused a lot of pain to others. And so I always had looked at myself through the eyes of shame and guilt. And, you know, I had a whipping stick on hand at all times to beat myself up with. But there was something that happened in being introduced to the Enneagram at my lowest of lows that it allowed me to look at myself and make sense of why I have made the decisions I have with grace and compassion and love. And when we can look at the pieces of our life and put the puzzle together with those lenses, that's when real transformation happens. And that's where these generational cycles and patterns can get demolished. And that's where real healing happens, not just for you, but the, the people that love you and the people that will love you down the road. And so that's how I got introduced to it. I'd also walked away from my career, my only career that I'd had 15 years in the of course, male-dominated car industry. I was a tough-as-nails chick that really did well in it, but it was soul-sucking for me because I do have this empathetic, compassionate heart, but I had to be that hard-ass, type-A, masculine energy kind of bitch in order to be successful. And I, I could wear that role very, very well. So when I checked into rehab, not only did I like take my emotional and you know, personal belief system to ground zero. I took my financial resources to ground zero too. So it was a very vulnerable time for me. But I think it's at our most vulnerable time where we can be, we're like that sponge. Like we open up that heart and open up the mind to other possibilities. And without that willingness, I am not here today speaking to you and doing all the things that I've done in the last decade that, you know, you might decide to share someday. Oh my gosh. Well, when I said in the beginning that I love how authentic you are, I mean, look at that. The fact that you opened up and, you, and I know when we talk Enneagram, it will make more sense to everyone listening, but it's not in your nature no. to love <laughs> vulnerability, but look how you embrace it. On this podcast, we talk a lot about unbecoming and shedding and finding your true self, but also like proudly being that person and just you saying, it just came out of your mouth with so much grace, 
and it was just so normal for you. But I know people are listening are going, oh my gosh, did she really just say that about herself? Because it's not common for people at all in our society. I mean, we're playing in different countries, but in the American society for sure, and women to be willing to say what they struggle with, what they're really, what their secret struggles are. It's more attractive to keep it, keep quiet about it, put your lipstick on and move forward. So I just want to say thank you for being willing to say more than what probably people expected you to say. Okay, so let's talk Enneagram. Mm -hmm. What is it? I agree with you that it's the most amazing tool, but people going to talk therapy and there's so many ways for us to work on ourselves, but I agree with you that Enneagram does something that other things can't. I can picture right now someone going to a therapist, which I recommend, but talking through their issues and their problems and their struggles for 15 years and feeling a little bit better, but then getting their Enneagram type explained to them by an expert like you. And then all of a sudden, everything makes sense. And without that, it doesn't make sense. They're still in their chaos, going to therapy, talking, 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 trying to get joy and peace that they can't get. So what is it and how does it work? I know you could talk for hours and I know that people can come learn from you outside of this episode. So just maybe the meat and potatoes here, but what is it? Well, that being said, like, I love that you just said that. Like, I love therapy. I still have the same therapist nine years later. I've had nine therapists over the last 30 something years. I've been in therapy of some sort for a long, long time. And every therapist I've had has told me I need to be a therapist. And I'm like, I know because I have therapists come to me at this point. So I understand that. I understand that my skill has always been this. But I always said, I don't want to be a therapist. There's too many rules. And the problem with therapy is you're sitting across from somebody who has amazing information to help you kind of understand this stuff, but not always give you the tools in real time that are required to really make the change that's sustainable. The other thing that I had, and this is a total eight thing for sure, I have a hard time sitting across somebody that can't tell me that they understand because of their experience. Because as a therapist, you can't share your personal stuff. And that's why I never went to be a therapist. That's why I always knew I'd be some kind of coach because I can tell you all the things. There's nothing I won't keep from a client if I believe it will help them move the needle and transform their life. I'm an open book. And that's why I've gone through what I've gone through. And that's why I am able to share it the way I am because it helps people. The more we stay in the dark with our stuff, the more that the world can't be blessed with our gifts. And I didn't go through all that crap for nothing. And neither have you listening right now. Know that you have experienced everything, even the most painful things in your life to have it matter for something good. I promise you. But where the Enneagram comes from, there's lots of schools of thought. It's like ancient history. And I don't like to get into all of that, quite honestly. It's amazing. Um, what, what it, how it is different than any other tool. I mean, you think about it. When I went into rehab at the age of 40 years old to try and unpack the shit show that my life was can seem overwhelming. And that's why I think a lot of people avoid the inner work because it's like, where do you even begin? And the Enneagram really gives you some framework to unpack a lot of this that isn't so overwhelming or emotionally charged. And there are other things like Myers-Briggs and DISC and therapy and all these things. But what I love about the Enneagram is it doesn't just explain what we've done or the behaviors. Like a lot of those other assessments, they're great. I think anything that allows you to be more self-aware, the better. 
obviously the Enneagram is my go-to, but I mean, I love astrology. I love tarot cards. I love Myers-Briggs. I love the Bible. I love all the things that open us up to understanding and loving ourselves more. And you can judge that all you want, but that's how I feel about this. But the Enneagram, how it's different, it's a combination of nature and nurture. I believe we were all born and designed with a temperament, a disposition, and a calling on our life. I really do believe that. I know I was, and looking back on my life, I know that without question. And then we're put in an environment or situation or things happen, and how that gets expressed can change. Either super unhealthy, can be super healthy. There's a, there's a range of healthiness in how our stuff gets expressed. So that's the nature and nurture thing. The, the beautiful thing about the Enneagram is it's a mix of psychology and spirituality. And for those of you listening right now that think like, I got a lot of work to do, or I'm broken, or I need to fix some things, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with you. And there's nothing that needs to be fixed. And the gift of the Enneagram really does let us look at all the things that have happened in our life, even things that weren't our fault or so unfortunate, and you were innocent in it, but we are responsible for how we choose to use that moving forward. And the Enneagram can really open you up to see all parts of you in a beautiful way to bring you full circle back to who you were always designed to be to begin with. But now with the wisdom of however old you are and the experience that you bring to the table, and that's where the grace and this grit combine into something so beautiful. I think where things go sideways with the Enneagram and because it's become so trendy right now, and and that's why I am honestly the best integrator of the Enneagram. A lot of there's a lot of amazing teachers of information out there, but information doesn't equal transformation. It's what we do with the information that really moves the needle. And I think when we can understand not just what we've done, but why we've done it from a place of love everything changes. We live in a time right now why personal development doesn't work a lot of the time is because we have this awareness. We're hyper aware of things aren't working. This doesn't feel good. I need to change XYZ. The diet industry is riddled with this. Like Something's wrong. Let's fix it. And we live in this microwave mentality society where give me the action to fix it. Give me the action to fix it. We got a coach on every corner. We got a course on every you know scroll that you do. Say, I can solve your problem in 2.2 seconds. Just take this action. And although that's fine and you will move the needle, it will only be temporary. It is not sustainable. And you're not getting to the root of why you got into this to begin with. And the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of the Enneagram is not only does it bring a healthy level of awareness, it also gives you action and the framework to recognize when you're off course or under stress or even growing. And so you don't sabotage your own growth. But the beauty and where the real amazing loving change happens is in this acknowledging part. I like to call it the wilderness, right? We're afraid to go into the wilderness because it's dark and scary sometimes. But it's in the wilderness where we can acknowledge why and how we got here. And when we really take the time to spend it in this acknowledgement piece, that's when we can take the action that is sustainable, that feels good, that is our gift. And we don't have to try to be something we're not. And it's how I am able to speak it all. I mean, I am who I am. There's levels of health to who I am. I'm always going to be an intense human being. I am. There's no way around that. But how that gets expressed is very different than it was 10 years ago. And that's the thing. You don't have to be Jill, something you're not. And through our chats, you've recognized that. 
many of you listening, you know, you're scrolling on social media and you're thinking you have to be XYZ to be successful, whether it's in love or parenting or your health or business. And the, the fact is, is you don't have to be anything but who you are, but the healthiest damn version of yourself. And many of you don't know where to start and the Enneagram can help with all of that. Yes. Okay. So I was biting my tongue because you said so many things that I wanted to like go, yes, yes. So what I want to share with the audience is I've got no skin in this game here as far as telling people about the Enneagram. I just believe in it. So one, yes, it, it is a sort of like a party game for some people and, and, and people are mistyped and they're walking around telling other people, oh, you're a this and you're a that. We don't want to do that. Or they use their type in my opinion, as an excuse, well, I'm a five because that means whatever. It's one thing to explain. It's another thing to use that as a reason to not grow. But the other thing I wanted to share is that I know there are people listening here who life's working for them. They don't have a lot of shit in their past. They honestly have worked through a lot or they don't have a ton to work through and they love their life. I'm telling all of you the Enneagram is for you because it's a really interesting way for you to know more about yourself and know how to engage and interact with others just for life in general. Forget business goals because it does help that too a lot. But this is something that I think is special for those of you listening who don't have traumatic pasts. And I go really deep and I talk a lot about my stuff. But I know many of you listening are like, yeah, I can't really relate to a lot of what Jill talks about. This is for you. But then those of you who are more like me, who do have that in your past, or you do have parents who divorced or whatever it is that you know, it may not haunt you, but it's just uncomfortable stuff. To me, the Enneagram is a way for you. And Tracy, you're the expert. You tell me. But my opinion is that it's a way to navigate that stuff without it being painful and without having to pull it out or to feel any of it. You can just go, oh, that's really cool. That's why it felt like that in third grade. That's why I responded differently to my parents' divorce than my brother did. That's why I like attention. And I have the, you know, I have done the disc profile and I've done Myers-Briggs and all that. And I love all of that. This to me tops all of them. Yeah. The thing about the Enneagram, it is for everyone because it is a great tool to master emotional intelligence. And quite honestly, Emotional intelligence, which is comprised of intrapersonal and interpersonal competence. So how we communicate and deal with ourselves and how we communicate and deal with other people. It's the greatest predictor of success. And so even if you think you got your shit together, that's great. That's great. But you probably can only talk to one type of person, most likely. And if you're in this game of constantly self-improving, which until our time is called on earth, I will be on a constant quest to self-improve. Emotional intelligence is where it's at. And the Enneagram gives you the framework to first understand yourself and how you're received, which is the most important part. And secondly, how you can take what's in your heart and what you want to communicate and land it on the heart of whoever you're talking to, even if they're not wired like you. And if you're a parent, you need this more than anyone because I guarantee God's going to give you kids that are here to teach you something and show you something about yourself that maybe is not a strength of yours. That being said, what you said earlier is, yeah, this has become so trendy that people do use this as a party game. It's not like that. It's fun when you get people that understand it to geek out on it. I mean, people come and talk to me about the Enneagram all the time because they know I know all of it and it's great, but it isn't to be used as a weapon. It is not to be used as a wall, whether on yourself 
like, had I had this information, I would have definitely said, well, I'm an eight. I'm an asshole. Deal with it. That's who I am, right? That's using it as a wall. And a lot of people, some of the more empathetic types will use it as an excuse and a weapon on themselves. It's not to be used as that. It is not our job to go around typing other people because a lot of times you're just seeing the behaviors and not the motive behind it. And that being said, 65 to 70% of the time when you take an assessment, whether it's paid or not, it is inaccurate. Yours was inaccurate when you took it, even though you never saw the results. I saw your results. And that the reason is, is because a lot of times we answer those assessment questions based on behaviors, compensatory strategies that we've developed, whether we have a rough upbringing or not. If it was me, had I understood the Enneagram, I would have manipulated my answers to get the type that I wanted, for sure. I would have been that person. Um, If you've had trauma, it's going to reflect how that is. A lot of times, if you've been under a tremendous amount of stress, the top score that comes up is where you go under stress because each type goes somewhere. So I want you to know these assessments are just the first step and it's not the end-all be-all. Because think about it, if you're using this framework as a tool and you have the wrong information, you're going to be sabotaging success. You're going to have the wrong compass to know where you're going when you're under stress or when you're growing. And so I do highly recommend your willingness to either take the process slow if you're going to deep dive into this on your own or have someone like me that can take you through the process. It's just like anything. If you have a guide, you'll get to your destination a lot faster. And so if this is a tool that you want to use in your own life, whether it's personal or business or both, because it all, the reason I am who I am is I show up exactly who I am all across the board. There's no like compartmentalizing who I am anymore. And that's a beautiful thing. It's not as exhausting, but that's kind of like this emotional intelligence is the end all be all for healthy relationships, a healthy relationship with yourself and successful business. And the Enneagram can help you with all of it. I need to pause a second. That was good. (laughs) Dropping the mic, baby. That was so good. Yes. So, okay. I'm digressing for a second, but when you said, for those of you who are pretty sure you have your shit together, I'm glad you said that because there are a lot of people who look at people like us who love to dig in and dig deep and they use the fact that their life is working well as a reason to not look at themselves. And the thing is, our lives are working well too. And mine was 10 years ago on the outside. Like yeah. I was successful as a single mom. I was, I looked pretty damn good for 40 years old. My kids were amazing, but they were imploding. Like we had all put on this front, like nothing to see here, people. We're good. I'm fine, fine. Feelings inside not expressed. So we've all got stuff. We all do. And when you said you're probably, those of you in that category, are only talking to the same type of person. I'm glad you said that because there are so many people, they're probably not listening to this podcast, right? But there are people out there in our lives, right? Ladies listening, who always surround themselves with the people who keep them comfortable and and who will always tell them what they want to hear. And they're never growing, but then they're the first people who will point the fingers at everyone else who's growing and putting themselves in that uncomfortable spot. I was that person. I was that person, 100%. So that's why I can like look in the eyes and say it because if you spot it, you got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I was the person who I was working on myself because I was so sure there was something wrong with me. I didn't know it at the time. But now I know that that's why I took myself on in a way 
that I don't even know if it was good for me because it was just so much constant introspection and not just living because, so let's talk about me a little bit. So let's out me a little bit about what my type is because again, for, for the listeners, I didn't just, you know, take some test. Tracy then did her magic and in her, she's an expert in this, right? And applied her knowledge and her expertise and said, okay, the test is telling me this, but that's not what Jill really is. And you had to explain that to me, right? So tell them what is my type and maybe a little bit about that. Well, what's funny about it is, is I told you your type and people tried to tell you that I was wrong. They still do. People still tell me I'm an eight. I know, but your behaviors are very eight-like, no question about it. You're very decisive. You are very direct. You go head on into things. You're fearless in a lot of ways. And that is very eight-like behavior. But you're not rooted in what an eight is motivated by. And this is why we appear very much alike, but we are very different. So in asking the questions and, and really getting to know you more and finding out where this is all rooted in, the difference between a one and an eight, we're both seeking truth and justice. We're both in the gut triad, which we both are driven by truth and justice. And if you, if you know Jill, you know she's a truth teller. No question about it. And I am too, but in a little different way. I am always seeking justice and truth for the innocent because my innocence was robbed very, very early on. And I've always been that even before like life happened. Jill is seeking truth because she has the highest of standards. Everything's about integrity, right or wrong, good or bad. There's very little gray area for the most part with her. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. And she operates from that place. And so she's always seeking like this perfect world, which is her quest for personal development. And she works so hard, probably more than anyone I've ever met to improve both yourself and everything and everybody around you. And that's the difference between a one and an eight. An eight, we will seek justice, but we're very selective in how we do that. We are motivated a little bit differently where an eight is pursuing truth and justice just like you, but we like to keep situations under control we will sit back and only make a move when it's something big where you're a daily taking action like you make big moves every day you make moves every day where i will mostly sit back i mean like mm, like really kind of seeing blind spots that nobody else sees and i will go to death trying to protect my vulnerability and not be violated i am always at the assumption that i'm going to be violated and so my walls go up in a different way than yours very, very different. But eights and ones look very much alike sometimes. And that was the difference in really getting to know you. Like everything that you do is motivated for improvement. Everything's about improving either yourself or everything and everyone around you. And that is the motive of the one. It's not a motive of an eight. And that's how we came to that discovery about yourself. Yes. And I remember one of the questions you asked me in the follow-up had me thinking about how I respond when I don't do well. I think, I can't remember the question you asked me, but if I had you say this out loud in the podcast, which I'm going to have you do it, but it, it feels vulnerable. It's like, oh, I don't want you to tell people that. I don't want them to think that about me. I'm not, I don't want them to think I'm like sitting in the corner crying because I'm not. But the truth is I am really hard on myself. If you had asked me, are you hard on yourself? I would say, no. Absolutely not. I'm not hard on myself at all because I think that's the perfectionist in me. I don't even know that I'm hard on myself. But the truth is my go-to 
is guilt. I feel bad about everything, everything. Now, I obviously, I've done enough work that I, I'm aware of that and I can stop myself, but I, it's literally like taking a bath in guilt every five minutes over everything. I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. And if I literally, and my brain doesn't stop thinking about if I had gotten ready for Thanksgiving earlier, Thanksgiving is coming up. And instead of going, okay, I'll figure it out. It's if I had gotten ready earlier, then I wouldn't have this problem. And I, yeah, it's, it's nonstop. I don't know if anyone out there can relate, but I'm sure there are other ones besides me. Well, and the one when they're under stress, like they do become, even though they can be outwardly critical, which I know you openly will say you can be very judgy and critical, mm-hmm. but multiply that by about a million. And that's what a one will do to themselves. Under extreme stress, the one takes on the unhealthy traits of the four. This is how I also knew you were a one. The unhealthy traits of the four, which is the individualist, is you know the twos, the threes, and the fours fall in the heart triad, and their underlying deep emotion is shame and guilt. And for an eight, we don't go to that under extreme stress. We just shut her down. We shut everything down. So for a one under stress, you take on that unhealthy, like almost like blinders on, self-absorbed. You go into envy and not like jealousy, but envy, like something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. And it's like this, you got these boxing gloves on, you're just pulverizing yourself when you're under extreme stress. The beauty of the one when they're growing, and I see this in you, I've been watching you over the last year and a half do this. It's so beautiful because a one in a growth stage we can embody one of the other types and take on some of the beauty of the other types. It doesn't mean we're motivated like this type, but we embody. And that's the beauty beauty of like growing ourselves and getting to a healthier version of ourselves. We're able to really utilize the entire Enneagram. The one in a growth pattern takes on the healthy seven, which is the enthusiast, which, you know, they're fun, they're innovative, they're visionary, They are the most positive, like anything is possible. Stupid idea. There is no such thing. Anything is possible. And even in the birth of this podcast and and you writing a book and all these things, that's you and your seven, like that healthy seven, like anything's possible. Tell me I, I can't do it and watch me. And the ability to pivot when things aren't going a certain way, the gift of the seven is like, yep, course correct, course correct. Where that old rigid maybe not so healthy one will keep you stuck because you have something to prove, right? So using the gift of the seven and being very aware that like when I'm under extreme stress, you go down the shame train, like knowing that compass will allow you to just make a few little pivots and it doesn't have to take you out. And it allows you to step into this beautiful gift of you probably before you got into personal development and really working on yourself would have these big ideas and then judge them. Because that one in you be like, well, that's just not possible. Oh, for sure. If I can't do it perfect, forget about it. A hundred percent. Guys, this is how good she is. Yes. If I couldn't do it well, I won't do it. I mean, I won't even try something. Bingo. Like even like something little like, hey, do you want to try tennis? No, I'm busy. (laughs) I have to get my hair done. Exactly. An eight, like give us a challenge. We'll crush it. We don't care what we look like. Oh my gosh. I love this. Okay. So what is something else we can share with BU Collective about how the Enneagram integrated into your life gives you the life, not just that you think you want, but the life that you were really destined to have. You know, like I have eight and a half years of recovery under my belt. And can we just congratulate you? Well, thank you. It's just such a remarkable thing. And we're, it's just amazing. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. That being said, 
I don't know. And, and this is the God's honest truth. I'm not quite sure I would still be sober without the gift of the Enneagram to keep me on track and to really have a level of awareness. Obviously, I've, I'm committed to recovery every single day, but the tool of the Enneagram really does help me stay there. So when you ask about how it can provide the life you may not even realize is possible for you, had you told me that this 100% Irish girl would never drink a day in her life again, I would have laughed at you. I mean, I was born to drink and fight. <laughs> it was like, it's a birthright, right? And I literally have spent, I spent 40 years of my life fighting and 25 of it drinking. And those were ways that I perceived myself as, as living the life of my dreams. And, and it, it wasn't that. And how I've used the Enneagram in all areas of my life, not just to crush it in business, but the first step is realizing in rehab, reading about my type and understanding my type and looking at it through the lens of love and compassion that the way that I was speaking to my kids was as though I thought they were eights. And no wonder what was in my heart wasn't landing on theirs. And quite honestly, it was ripping theirs apart unintentionally. And I want you to know if you're listening right now, and I know you're a good mom and maybe even a good dad. I have a lot of male listeners too, so I'm sure you do too that sometimes we operate so innocently and we don't even realize what we're doing. But me understanding myself and how my personal type can be received by other people, I, I lost my breath for a second because I realized that my son absolutely was the opposite of an eight and my daughter was the opposite of an eight. And I was like, shit, now what? So the first step was really understanding myself. We can't give what we don't have. And if you don't have a level of self-awareness, how are you going to teach it to your children, your business partners, your spouse, anybody? So that was my first step is really understanding myself with compassion and love, not a whipping stick. So that was the first step. And then I started reading the other eight types and was able to narrow down where I thought my son and my daughter kind of resided. And they were 14 and 15 at the time. Not an easy time to be a parent. And especially clearly, I wasn't doing a great job if I found myself in rehab. Right. I'm just being really transparent. I was a good mom, a good tactical mom, but was not a great emotional mom. And so this really allowed me to speak life into my children. I I was kind of gathering what I thought they were based on the motives, and I knew my kids pretty well. And so I recognized that my son was probably the two, which is the helper, which is the most compassionate and empathetic on the Enneagram. And when my intense energy shows up, even without saying a word, it triggers him, especially if it's coming from that place that I said, fear, insecurity, judgment, and unworthiness. He was taking all of that in and on and making his own decision of a belief system that he needs to be XYZ to, to be worthy of my love. Devastating, yes, to hear and to recognize that, but also like, okay, how do I use this for good now? And how do I course correct it? My daughter, who is a seven on the Enneagram, was more of an escapist. She would avoid feeling like she would bail. So she was an unhealthy seven at the time, very unfocused, avoiding pain at all costs, moving from thing to thing. And I just started speaking into her gifts and her visionary spirit. And just by changing the way I communicated with them. Now, I didn't go telling them, hey, you're a two, you're a seven. No, it's not our job to type them. I just started speaking to them as though they were, and it worked. And so overnight, things changed in our house. All of a sudden, I became a trustworthy, credible, emotionally intelligent mom, not just a really great tactical mom. And that's when everything changed. 
And it's been me and them ever since then. So that's how it changed in my family. And, you know, they're 24 and 23 today, and we have the most rock solid relationship. They are thriving in their life. They're in healthy romantic partnerships, they are healthy in business life. They're incredible human beings. And the Enneagram has a lot to do with that because they always have a safe place to be 100% who they are. I'd been using the Enneagram for four years before I even told them about it. So it's not our job to say, take the test so I know. And we can get into how maybe you can guesstimate who you're talking to. Then, obviously, I mentioned I had walked away from my career. So Tracy at 40 years old is just trying to discover what the heck she wants to be when she grows up. I was introduced to network marketing. I had wiped out my social network. I know you have a lot of network marketers that listen to this show. I had zero social network. I had zero credibility. I was that single mom that went to rehab at 40 years old. How do you build a legacy network marketing business? I mean, I went from zero to a million dollar income in two years with no social network. And it was using the gifts and the tools of the Enneagram to leverage and communicate that emotional intelligence. It's everything. When you can speak life into every person that's in front of you, you can move the needle. And the compound effect of of really pouring that kind of um, love, wisdom, empowerment into one person, the ripple effect of that and the compound effect of that is magical. I mean, I brought in 82 people in my first two years of business, 82. Turned that into 15,000 people, which generated my first million dollar in income. How this has changed my friendships, I am the best friend today. And not just because I am a handle it kind of girl, but because I am allowing the even energy exchange, they get to see my vulnerability, which I had never done before. I didn't even know what intimacy was, Jill. And the Enneagram has allowed me to be intimate with people that I choose. The eights will always have a very small circle, but it's allowed that. And as far as love, my God, like I have fallen in love in the last year. And that is not something I ever thought possible for a girl like me. I didn't feel like I deserved it. I felt I was too intense for anybody. I would dumb down myself to be worthy of love and to be able to be everything that I am without apologies, But coming from that love, compassionate understanding has brought in just the most beautiful gifts in friendship, love, health. I mean, I'm the healthiest I've ever been at almost 50 years old. So this is used in every area of my life every single day. And I'm learning more and more about myself. It's a compass that has always got a deeper level. And so if that is something you really strive for to be your very, very best and to be emotionally intelligent, this is a gift for you. How can the listeners? either just dip their little pinky toe in or some of them might say, look, I just want to dive in. Like, How do they learn from you and figure out what their type is and then integrate it into their lives? And I know on your podcast, you're going to do more of that, but how can they get more? Because I know what they're thinking right now is, okay, so you've told me how great it is. How do I move forward? Well, there's two ways. Like I said earlier, you can take an assessment. What I would say is take the top four top four that you get. If you go to the EnneagramInstitute.com, there's a paid test. If you want to explore this on your own, then I would say take the top four scores and really take time. Don't rush the process if you're going to go on this alone. It is a self-exploration journey. I will say if you've experienced a lot of trauma in your life, you may have a harder time doing this and it may take a lot longer to kind of come to this on your own. Take the top four and look at the motives of each one. You're going to recognize and and relate to the behaviors of one, but that is not your type. That is why many are mistyped because our behaviors most often are a thing we do under stress. It's a compensatory strategy based on experiences we've had growing up. 
because had you looked at me, I looked very three-like. I looked very three-like. My therapist even thought I might be a three. Had you seen me in my home as a child, I looked very nine-like, which is one of my wings. But those were compensatory strategies. But I was always rooted in the motive of the eight. And so when you take the assessment, understand that 65 to 70% of the time, it's inaccurate, that top score. I've done seven typing sessions with people this week. All but one were inaccurate. So they can take the test and then they come, they bring the test to you? This is if they want to go out on their own. Okay. I wouldn't recommend that. (laughs) Yeah. And take the time with it. And then there's, I like to say that Enneagram isn't complicated, but it is super complex. There's a lot of things that come into play that can alter our true type, our instinctual reactions, stances that we take when we're under stress, the wings, the growth numbers, the stress numbers. So it is complex, but it's not complicated. So I think more than anything, if you really like want to use this right now, you can come and book a typing session with me for now and I will have you take a test. So you don't, if you know that you want a guide to take you, then don't even bother with it. I don't want you having any preconceived notions. Just go to my website, tracyomalley.com. You can do that right now. The other way to kind of like really understand more of it is yes, I do do a podcast. I've got almost 100 episodes under my belt. A lot of it is Enneagram inspired. I talk about all the types coming in 2021. It's going to be all leadership, Enneagram, live coaching, live typing sessions, and things like that. But if you do decide to take this on your own, just give yourself some grace and know that it will take time. And it's really hard to be honest with ourselves. Like if I wasn't in rehab, sitting in front of a therapist, holding a mirror up in front of me, would I have been as radically honest as I was? Probably not. And I believe, I mean, Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, has coaches that help him step into the greatest version of myself. I personally have a therapist and three coaches today too. So if you are somebody that really wants to grow and use this tool, reach out to me. It's, it's the fastest way to get to the information. And then you can either dive deeper with me or you can take that. At least you know you have the right information because the wrong information is worse than almost no information. I agree. Yeah. And so Tracy certainly doesn't need this and isn't asking me to, but I'm recommending that you go to her to do it. And that's what I did because I think just taking it on your own, one, you could be mistyped, but also you're not going to get the level of understanding that I got from Tracy. It's, it is such a gift. It's worth investing in yourself, but you're also then investing in your business and then in your relationships. Because going back to business really quick, we're wrapping up here, but I just want to go back to that for a second. It doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter what career you have. You're interacting with other people all day long. And when she said that she was speaking to her kids as if they were an eight, I'm going to translate that in my own language and say it's like the love languages. She was speaking to them as an eight because she's an eight. It's all I knew. Yeah. Yeah. The way we want to be loved. And I did that in business. I was coaching and talking to everybody as if they're like me. I want it fast. I want the meat and potatoes. Don't give me details and be direct and other people were scared shitless by me. They didn't like that. It felt horrible. And it wasn't until I stopped and I realized, oh, that's why Mary responds that way to me. That's why Jennifer shuts down and gets quieter on me. That's why so-and-so said literally, and I quote, I'm not going to acknowledge my team because I don't like that. I don't want you to acknowledge me. I don't want to be, can you tell she was an eight? (laughs) I don't want you to acknowledge me. So it all makes sense now after the fact. I wish I knew that 10 years ago. Well, and here's something I can give your audience too that will help because we didn't really go into the types very much, which is okay. But I want you to know that 
there's nine basic types and we're all driven either by truth and justice, significance or certainty. I mean, if you listen to Tony Robbins, you know that to be true, right? And three types fall into each of those categories. We use all of them, but usually one is dominant. Like for Jill and I, the truth and justice is our dominant. Now, where we go under stress and growth, we can take on significance and certainty, depends on where we are. So I'll just kind of break it down a little easier. If you're wondering like what your kids are, what your spouse is, what business partners are, this is like the vanilla version. This definitely won't move the needle super fast, but like understanding, especially if you're working with teams, like I could narrow down very, very quickly which category they fell into. So the twos, the threes, and the fours all fall in the heart triad. That means they make decisions, communicate based on feelings. I am not that person. The twos, the threes, and the fours, the helpers, the achievers, and the individualists all fall in that category. Their main driver, they're motivated by significance. Now, how that looks is very different for a two, a three, and a four. The underlying emotion is shame, which like I explained about Jill, when she's under stress, she takes on that unhealthy four, which boom, there's the shame, right? So the twos find significance in how they help other people and what they do for other people. Threes find their significance in what they achieve, how they show up in the world, how they're perceived to be, how they are perceived to look, appear, whatever. And the fours seek significance internally. They're always on this constant quest of being authentic. Again, you under stress, like that that inner like turmoil that happens, right? So these are all the feelers. They're driven by significance. The thinkers, the five, six, and sevens, they fall in the head triad. So they make decisions, process, communicate based on thoughts. Okay. Also not me. Their driver, their motive for everything is certainty. They need certainty. And how that looks for the five, six, and seven is very, very different. Their underlying feeling or emotion is fear or anxiety. So for the fives, they're seeking certainty so that they can be capable and equipped. They want to be capable and equipped and feel smart and know the things, right? Because that's how they feel equipped. The sixes, they're the most outwardly needing certainty. They're the master troubleshooters because they want to know worst case scenario, will they be prepared? So the loyalist out there. The sevens, they need certainty that they will have uncertainty. They need to be certain that they will never be trapped by something that doesn't feel good to them. So that's where their need for certainty that you don't want to put them in a box, don't want to put them in a cage, that they always have an option out of whatever doesn't feel good for them. And how that looks very like the anxiety, the fives internalize it, the sixes are more external with it, and the sevens avoid it. The last category, the last triad are the body or instinctual or gut triad. That's where Jill and I both reside. And our main driver, our main motivator is justice and truth. And our underlying emotion is anger. That's where a lot of you probably thought Jill might be an eight because she, she can be explosive sometimes. She absolutely can. So can I. So the eights seek justice for the innocent and for the vulnerable, which is usually that's why we protect our innocence and our vulnerability so much. The nines are seeking peace and justice and truth for the collective. Why they're called the peacemaker they will sacrifice themselves and, and shove down their anger in order to provide that justice and, and truth for other people. Like they take one for the team. The ones seek truth and justice for everything outward and within themselves. 
Like they're constantly seeking truth. They internalize their anger until they're pushed to the brink and then they can be more explosive. But usually their anger comes out in criticism where an eight, their anger comes out very explosively. Like you'll know an eight. Well, eights are also the most mistyped. And the nines internalize. They shut down their anger. They don't even know they're angry, but their anger comes out with passive aggressive behavior. So the the main thing I would say when you're dealing with other people, the very entry-level stages of the Enneagram is deciphering, do these people make decisions based on their head, their heart, or their instincts? And are they driven? They're motivated because my behaviors looked very significant driven, but they weren't. Are they driven at their core motive by significant certainty or truth and justice? And that will allow you to kind of like start speaking to that like I said, there's more complexities to that, but that's a great beginning point to also narrowing, narrowing down your type too. Oh, so good. So it's exciting. I know. Like I was taking notes as you were talking. I get why you fell in love with this. It's like a puzzle. I like to explain it like this way. If those of you that like puzzles, you know, when you're doing a puzzle and you get this one weird piece that keeps showing up and you can never freaking figure out where it goes and you even put it like far away so it doesn't keep creeping into the pile... The Enneagram helps you make sense of that one piece of your life that keeps coming up that you don't know what the heck it means or what it's here for. But all of a sudden, you know, when you put that piece in the puzzle, it's like you just solved world hunger. Like everything is great because you found the place for this piece of the puzzle in a, you know, a board puzzle or the Enneagram really helps you put the pieces together. And you can be excited about them. You don't have to carry the shame, the guilt, the the beating yourself up. Like this is full freedom to be excited about every piece of your puzzle. And when you start to put them together, you can operate from the most optimal level, which is love, compassion, and grace. Yes. Yes. And it goes so well with what we are focusing on in our podcast. Because I know that when you know who you are through the Enneagram, even if you don't even think about what other people are, how you should interact with them, which I do recommend, but even if you don't and you just learn yourself, everything in your life gets better because you're really your true self. Like you said, from a place of love and compassion, you are your true self and people respond so well to that. And it's such a gift. Well, you can't lead other people, whether it's in your home or in your business, unless you can properly and at the most beautiful level, lead yourself. And that means leading yourself with compassion and love because you can't give what you don't have. And if you aren't giving it to yourself, you can fake your way through it, but people will feel that. And so the first step is learning yourself inside and out and knowing how people might perceive you, not from a place of judgment, but your energy. You can't fake energy. I don't care what strategy you have, you can't fake energy and it will come out whether it's healthy or not. Um, And so this is the greatest gift you can give yourself and anybody you touch. Oh, I agree. Thank you so much, Tracy O'Malley. This has been such a gift. I love you. I love you too. such a pleasure. I love, and I can't wait to have you on and deep dive on all this with you on my podcast too. You guys go check out the podcast for sure. It will help you make a lot more sense. And I, I'm not your cookie cutter, vanilla kind of Enneagram person. I never will be. And that's why I'm so good. (laughs) just honest. Thank you for saying that. Yes, that is why you're so good. I love your podcast and everything is linked up and I hope lots of people come and learn from you. Thank you so much, Tracy. I love you, girl. Thank you so much for joining me on BU. I know there was something in this episode you were meant to hear. So let me know in a DM on Instagram at Jill Herman BU. 
be sure to subscribe to the BU podcast. And if you have iTunes, I would so appreciate you rating the podcast and leaving a comment with your biggest aha or takeaway. Sharing a screenshot of this episode on your story is the best way for us to reach women just like you. And if you send a link to a friend, let her know what unique quality she has that the world needs more of. If this is your first visit, welcome to our BU Collective, where we get honest about what it takes to find our true self so we can set her free and start living.